Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Support WrestleTalk. Donate on Patreon. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast. I am Luke Owen and this is a very special edition of the Russell Ramble Podcast where we were able to sit down with some of the stars from Progress's Super Strong Star 16 tournament that was held over last weekend. WrestleTalk.com's Louis Dangor was the man who sat down in the sort of roundtable discussion, so you are going to hear some other different voices interviewing the people that we've got on this show today. You're going to hear from NXT UK's Volta and Trent Seven. You're going to hear from AEW's Jimmy Havoc and Darby Allen, as well as Impact Wrestling's Jordan Grace, Mark and Vicky Haskins from Ring of Honor, and the true independent star David Starr. There's some really good stuff in here. Jordan Grace talking about why she's going to stick with Impact Wrestling over something like All Elite Wrestling. David Starr on turning down offers from WWE, as well as Darby Allen talking about turning down offers from WWE, and what Jimmy Havoc can expect from going to All Elite Wrestling when he has to go there and, you know, be Jimmy Havoc, but in an American environment and possibly not in the deathmatch environment. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Jimmy can do. We're big, big fans of Jimmy Havoc here at WrestleTalk. If you want to skip to any of the discussions, I would uh, recommend checking out like the podcast description because we've got a list of the order that the interviews are going to go in and with some timestamps that you can jump to this, that and the other. And if you do hear some kind of like weird audio glitches, it's because the wrestlers do some swears and we're a PG product and we don't do the swears on here. So I've had to edit those out. And because of that, we we did have an interview with Paul Robinson as well, but he was too he was he was too bad mouthed to even like edit out. So uh, apologies, Paul Robinson, if you are listening to this. Um, Jimmy does talk about uh, Paul Robinson and the death match that those two were set to have on the Monday, but um, yeah, unfortunately, we can feature uh, Paul Robinson's interview because he swears a lot and. There's only so much time to edit these. Uh, I'm going to apologize as well because the audio was recorded on a phone, so it may not sound like particularly brilliant, but we do what we can with it, and I've, I've tried to edit around as, as much as possible. I also have tried to edit out any spoilers for Super Strong Style 16 if you are looking to watch that on Catch Up on Progress On Demand. So I don't think there should be any spoilers in there. Also, they're going to be talking about matches that will have already 
well, have taken place now, but hadn't took place when they interviewed them. You know, time travel and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, I've rambled on enough. Here is the show, and we're kicking things off with the man who truly is an independent wrestler, David Starr. Oh, Starr, that's right. Louis from Wrestle Talk. Um, I thought I'd ask about your match in Israel. Sure. Uh, so, obviously... One of your hundred nicknames is about you being Jewish. Was as a Jew pressing in Israel something you'd always wanted to do? And obviously, based on the controversy it got, is that, is that something you'd like to continue to do and bring sort of wrestling in that area of the world more exposure? Sure. Uh, there was a second time I wrestled in uh, Israel. I wrestled there uh, July of 2017. So this is my second one. Uh, this one just happened to get a little bit more attention for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah and the thing the thing about it is it's not just about uh, being Jewish and going to Israel because obviously that you know people make the connections clearly but it is just a kind of a special place uh, a friend of mine who's German just went to Israel with his dad and said the same thing he's like yeah it is just special he's not religious he's not doesn't identify with anything like that whatsoever um, and the fact is that uh, Gary Wharf the guy who runs IPWA is a good man. You know, he's a really good, strong, principled person. That crowd was hot, and there is, uh, there is a market for wrestling there that is completely separate from the extremist government that controls the country right now. So, outside of that, if it was a government-sponsored thing, I would not do it whatsoever because that is, you know, they're just Netanyahu yeah. is atrocious. But um, an independent company like IPWA, hundred percent. And sort of just on the note of you being something else that came with a bit of controversy, after your match at WXW with Lucky Kid, which was fantastic, um, I think what got most people talking actually more about the match was your promo afterwards. Um, some people online seem to speculate that that was actually setting up you coming in to WWE in some capacity. I don't know how they got that from your promo. But do you feel, firstly, that a lot of people feel the way you do, but are too afraid to speak up? And that if, not sure if you're allowed to say, but has there been any contact with WWE about you coming in? And I'm sure. Uh, I mean, I'm allowed to say anything I want. So, Go on, Because yeah, I don't have anything. Uh, I've been contacted by them before, and yeah. I've turned it down a couple times. Um, but the thing is that I think that something that doesn't really hit home with the European audience is the, is the healthcare thing. Mm-hmm. Because, very fortunate to be able just to go to the hospital. And that's something, one of the reasons why I moved to the UK, that's a big thing, and the fact that being a professional wrestler, it's hard to afford healthcare, the things you need. So all I was saying was that, uh, my point is, similar to John Oliver's stuff, and stuff that I had talked about in private multiple times, and I just never really been given the opportunity to say it. So I decided to take that opportunity on a WWM show, which is a WWE light platform. So I decided to go, like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to do this, so here it is. Um, yeah, I just, want, I just want workers, I want wrestlers, and I want labor in general to just realize the power that we have and understand that we don't have to accept whatever is given to us. We have, we have our own terms and our own conditions, and I want wrestlers to understand that it's cool to say no. It's fine. Don't give in to something just because you got three letters in it and it seems like it'd be cool. Still think about yourself and don't just cave into a corporate power because they tell you, oh, look at all this exposure you get. 
well, how about you treat us right? How about every, you have a, a billion dollar corporation that is able to provide healthcare to its wrestlers, but they, they, clearly they don't care. So that, yeah, that bothers me. So um, are people too afraid? I don't want to give people labels and say they're afraid to say. I just don't think, I think some people choose to take more of an apolitical route or don't want to ruffle feathers. Um, but at the end of the day, wrestling is not my ultimate goal. So I have a little bit of freedom in that regard. Um, yeah. So thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, Ryan from Sport Bible. Um, you are the independent wrestler, as uh, his t-shirt says. And um, what do you? What other things do you do to stand out in such a like crowded marketplace where people are fighting for the spotlight? Sure. I think I think it's kind of funny because uh, years ago you'd say that independent marketplace was probably uh, harder to stand out in because there's just so many more people, and now all those people are getting swooped up. So it's almost like a role reversal. But then, uh, so what do I do to stand out? I just it's weird, when I was first started at CZW, it was something that uh, Adam Cole told me, because he was somebody who helped me out a lot. Uh, and he would say, you have to figure out how you're going to stand out on every card you're on. You know, you, you're not going like, to be able to like, out-tech like a Zack Sabre Jr. or John Gresham. You're not going to be able to out-flip like, at the time when like Andrew Everett was the big flip guy. You're not going to be able to do any of that. You're not going to be able to now Will Ospreay. So you have to figure out kind of where you fit. So that's kind of it. On every card you look at, you figure out where your spot is on the card, what you're supposed to do and make sure your match stands out in the time that you're doing. That's pretty much it. And it changes from time to time. And I think that's something I've worked on is just trying to be as versatile as possible. Being able to go out there with anybody on any card, any type of match, and be able to deliver a high performance in whatever's needed. Yeah, I think that's kind of... That's, sorry, that's great. Um, and also because you've got all these opportunities open to you um, that some people don't because of... The, what they've the, the path they've chosen. Sure. Is there anything out there that you, that really grabs you? That is something you want to be able to do as an independent wrestler. I just want to travel. I love traveling. I love seeing places. Um, that's pretty much it, man. Like the big the, the goal is obviously to do well enough to where I don't have to do anything when I'm done. But like I said, wrestling is not my ultimate goal. So I'll still be doing something, but it's enough that hopefully I do the right things and make enough to where I can be comfortable and in pursuing something completely different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. I don't know what, I don't know what else it is because it's not like, I never have the goal of like getting to this company or like doing this. Like those are nice things that come along with it, but I think that's out of my control. The only thing I can control is just trying to get myself better like every day. So I can only focus internally. I can't really focus on somebody else making a decision for me. In terms of Super Strong Style 16, where do you think that ranks in tournament wrestling around the world? Well, it's, it's hard to argue that it's not you know, right up there uh, with some of the best ones out there. I think the, because WWE has kind of gotten rid of their tournaments for the most part, except for occasional nonsense ones. Um, <laughs> I just did that's going to get me on a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> Oh, blood money. So, uh, <laughs> then, so I guess you have to say the number one tournament in the world is probably the G1. It's probably the number one tournament. And then you have like Super Juniors and, and New Japan's tournaments because they do it right. Um, so then you have to put out like, you know, Bola, uh, 16 Carat, and Super Strong Style's got to be in that conversation amongst the best tournaments in the world especially amongst like, uh, independent places. I just wish it was a little bit more independent, but that's okay. Um, 
Yeah, that I, it has to be up, right up there. So it's something that it's really cool to be a part of every year. It's my third time being a part of it, so that's it. Um, Jake from 24 Wrestling. Um, there's obviously an independent match that has been faced anonymous with you over the last couple of years, and that man currently holds the Progress World Championship. And there's a chance that he might not hold it tomorrow, but if Alta does win, and you look to win Super Strong Style 16, and you were looking to face him in a match, where would you consider facing Valter? Because that is immediately after I won the tournament. Straight away? Immediately. As in like you'd call him out of the ring? Yeah, now. immediately. Why wouldn't I? Because he's been ducking me now. You know, uh, after I tapped him out at uh, 16 karat, he said it's pretty much done with it. So he's not going to do the match until his hand is forced. And I know he's not going to fly off anywhere and run away. So I know he'll be there. So why wouldn't I ask him right then and there? Confetti's all down, all that good stuff, whatever they're going to have. I don't know. Sitting there, I don't care. Just bring him right out. I'm going to do it right then and there. So, um, you don't want Trent Seven to win tomorrow? That'd be perfectly fine if Trent Seven won. I, I think Trent uh, is a good representative of what he wants the British wrestling scene to be. You know, So I, I appreciate the work that guys like Trent and Pete and Tyler put in. You know, Because they made sure to give back to the independent scene every chance they could. And Trent's one of those guys, you know, and he helps do it at Fight Club, where it's not riddled with people that, of course, you know, get seen on $10 networks. Like, um, it's, so I, I'm perfectly fine if it was Trent Seven, but if it's still Walter. But if, it, if you could fight Walter and it, and it felt that little bit sweeter just to take the progress world title from him, would that feel just a little bit sweeter? Absolutely. Take no doubt about it, it would. Time for one more question. Um, just if no one else wanted to. Um, do you feel there's any person, guy or girl, on the independent scene who, for whatever reason, doesn't get the credit and the recognition they deserve? Oh, man, what a question. Um, see, it's hard because now it seems like everybody's getting the credit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think the independent scene right now is kind of probably the most exposed it's ever been. Um, wow. But even from like you said, yeah. you mentioned Adam Cole. Having you know what, I'll, I'll put this guy over because he's great. He's like a really young kid and he's from my area and he doesn't get a lot of credit right now because he, uh, for whatever, he just hasn't been around that long. And he's really young uh, and it's Jordan Oliver. Jordan Oliver is currently the CCW Wire Champion and he has sick matches with everybody. The problem is right now CCW is a bit on the downside right now, which happens. Wrestling is very cyclical and there's, it's understandable. But uh, Jordan is somebody that I think he just signed with MLW, I believe. So hopefully more people will be able to see him in that regard uh, or on that platform. Uh, but he's great. So Jordan Oliver is somebody to keep, keep an eye on. He had this whole little crew. He has like the young, dumb and broke crew. If you watch them, he's so innovative. He's creative. He's just uh, somebody who deserves to be seen more and more. And everyone would probably enjoy watching. Um, so I just wanted to ask about obviously Imperium that was set up during the NXT tapings, NXT UK with yourself, Fabian Eichner, Marcel Bottel and Alexander Wolf of uh, Smackdown. Um, was that something including Wolf that came from you guys or was that a company sort of director that said he's going to be in? It was something we liked, the idea we liked, but it came together very like, quick. So okay. I think it would have been something that would have happened going forward, but at that moment it was very... Decisions were made very quick. Okay. So.
And sort of another question, Austin, do you see yourself moving over to NXT in the US or the main roster, or is sort of consolidating NXT UK as more of a third and fourth brand than a developmental your goal? It's going to be step by step, I guess. So I just arrived, so I need to get work done first at NXT. So I don't think that, that much ahead. Just I focus on what I do now, and then if I do good, things will be fine. Great, thank you very much. Uh, have you have you bought the UK title with you today? Out of interest. Yeah. So are we going to get another shot like the one of you backstage after you won the progress title with the three belts over you? But instead, this time will be your two progress titles and your UK title. If I win, there will be one. Last time we spoke, you said that there'd been conversations with WWE, but there was nothing uh, definitely in the pipeline. Two months later, you were. Debuting, so just tell us about that process, how that came, came about. I mean, I obviously lied to you back then. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it hurts. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like nothing spectacular. It's like somebody's interested in you, so they talk to you, and then you just work things out that are important for yourself, and then you come together at some point. So, and out of everybody I talked to, that seemed to be the right thing for me at the moment, and I don't regret it by now. So, all good. Okay, uh, Liam, Pro Wrestling Journal. Um, considering you know how global you've kind of become, how important do you think it is to stay true to your roots in in your wrestling style and wrestling? I guess ethos. Um, I I always did it. Like I, I, every, everywhere I went, I did the same. I did, let's say, in Germany four years ago, five years. Obviously, I hope I got better in what I did, but the philosophy behind it is still the same. And didn't matter where, like it was PWG or something like that. I didn't like change myself, so don't plan changing that. Do you? Uh, is there anything about the progress or wrestling for progress audience um, that you find different or interesting or kind of uh, worth noting? <clears throat> when I came first, it was very uh, they were very interactive than it used than usually. Um, by now, a lot of crowds in England are like that, like that, I would think. I just, I appreciate that, I just don't like sometimes when they get caught up for their own stuff. It's like when they put themselves in the center yeah. because that might be fun for the group of 10 who does it, but for everybody else it might be a little bit annoying because they want to enjoy the show. So that's maybe the, the counterpart of that, but in general I appreciate the progress fans because it's very responsive and yeah, it's a good time. Thank you. Uh, Ryan's Sport Bible. Um, Super Strong Style 16 is, or the weekend especially, is something that, you know, your, your, your original stint in uh, Progress when you didn't have your iconic music, in fact, Jack, Jack Gallagher had it, um, and then obviously last year giving, giving up the Atlas title. So what does it mean to you to come back to Super Strong Style a year later and both titles are on the line? It's also like when I came first, I didn't have the cool music. I had something <laughs> else, so that was the reason. <laughs> and I actually stole it from Tim Fetcher, who had it like a different version, but we just took it for the whole group. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think I would have loved to challenge Travis as the Atlas champion when I won the belt, actually. So, but I had to give it away to go that way. So I'm going full circle today. So it should be good. Is that something you like that you've been able to kind of go for full circle and, you know, tie up the ends of the... It brings it back, like at some point with the Atlas belt it's cool like to have like a heavyweight belt but I always saw the issue that sometimes heavyweight matches tend to be not as spectacular as 
like a bigger man versus a smaller man, which is the matchup I prefer most. So it's a difficult task to be the champion in that kind of division, if you want to call it like that. So it put me in a lot of difficult situations that I gained experience from. It helps me with in helping with everything I did after. So yeah, like I said, it's going to be I'm going to aim for full circle now and represent both going forward. Brilliant. Now, do you feel like your style brings something to modern wrestling that it's missing? What do you mean? Time? Like it's a, a your your style. Do you think it's something that was missing from modern modern wrestling? Yeah, sense. <laughs> because sometimes people uh, nowadays, I think nowadays sounds very oldish, but I think it doesn't matter what. I think William Real put out a day or two ago, so it's on Twitter, and he said. It doesn't matter what you do, style-wise, just put a sense and a meaning behind it. And that's something I take, like, I, I'm focused on. I don't like to just do stuff for the sake of doing it. So I think that's something I want to, I want to stand out in my matches, and I think that's something that's not done enough at the at current times. Thank you. Uh, John from WrestleLine, how do you uh, rate your opponent? Uh, Trent Seven today? Uh, the thing is with, with Ben, uh, Trent, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't call us a gimmick names. Uh, he's, he was in a, like I said, I didn't, I never saw him having any big success as a singles competitor. And I was even more surprised that he won the Atlas Championship. And he's in the same difficult position I just uh, described. And he mastered it very well. Mm -hmm. To this point, and he, I think he did a great job, and I think it's going to be a very, yeah, it's going to be a very good contest today that everybody's going to enjoy, hopefully. So, and I know he's somebody bring. He always, I think, when Trent steps in the ring, he, he wants to leave it all out there, and yeah. So, we're going to have a good, a good one tonight. Uh, we'll get into talks for um, Hamporn has progress been in that kind of eighteen-month rise that you've had as a company in your personal development over that time? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't think anybody, like when it comes to personal, like personal, like in my, in a professional way, it was, yeah. it was a part, uh, but it's hard to point like that was important for that reason and that company was important for that reason. Uh, <coughs> every company as a wrestler you work for, it's a different task because audiences are different or it's always different circumstances, but progress was actually one of the easier ones because the fans were very responsive and the travel for me was very easy because they're a very short flight compared to going to America and do Indies there, which is a complete different thing than here. So progress was definitely the company who opened the door for me into the English market. It's like the, the first company I stepped into and figured out how things work here. You said you like the big man, small man matches. Mm. In the, the best example of that is probably you and Tyler at Wembley. Tell us a bit about the build up to that, how you felt that came off, how kind of you felt of the whole event and, and working on that match. That might be, yeah, it might be my favorite match of last year and maybe even the one I had so far because when I do matches, I always want to have a mix of drama and competition that kind of felt that way, and even like re-watching it, it felt like a dramatic sports contest, and it's like, like I said, that's what I want to achieve. 
and Tyler is a great talent, maybe more than a million. And he's still so young, it's crazy. I'm 10 years older than Tyler, I think, or nine years. So he's gonna do, he's gonna be a big superstar at some point. I'm just in my last few good years. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, it's uh, not fair, is it? It's just, yeah, that's a very, very, a very good example of how I think that dynamic, the bigger guy versus the smaller guy is always the, the best mix in a wrestling match. Because that's the typical story we all get. Like Rocky always fought more wrestlers. Like he didn't wrestle, he fought his, his friend first, but then he had to, had to fight the big Russians. Like, oh my God, he's a monster, how can I beat him? That's like the story we all got, the David versus Goliath story. It's like we all have, we have that in us and people want to see a struggle. Like somebody, I think there's nothing more, you never, you will never feel more connected to a person that you can really see who goes through a real tough time and really struggles, but still gives it all and then finally succeeds. That's the, I don't know, I think it's still, it's simple, but it's still the best story you can tell. So, so on that topic, you spoke about the David and Goliath story. WWE has a tendency to struggle booking heavyweights and big men. Was that sort of a worry for you coming into NXT that you wouldn't be able to have those David Goliath matches and they'd put you in the traditional matches that we've seen from heavyweights and that would limit your sort of what you wanted to do? No, I don't think it, I don't, I don't, I also don't think it's right. I get way more protected now than on the indie scene because on the indie scene there would be way less than it is now when it comes to protect somebody because he's a bigger guy. I had to do it myself because and also I think the indies are way more, it's a way more selfish business than it is in WWE or any big company because if you work for a company you, you make your money. But on the indies you gotta sell merchandise and do all that but if you just dedicate one match to make the other guy on the other side look good, they're gonna buy his shirts and not yours. So that automatically drives indie wrestling <clears throat> into a more selfish contest I think. Uh, not even like out of a bad, out of a bad position, but just the, the matter of how it's structured. So I don't really believe. Also, you can just go at certain points. Like uh, w, it's also not in WWE that every step is going to be told what you have to do. It's like you're still your own person. You make your own decisions. They just try to make things work for everybody. And uh, so uh, Jordan Devlin faced Finn Balor at the first. NXT UK TakeOver event. Yeah. If you got to choose one main roster star to have a match with at a second TakeOver event, who would it be and why? Mm. Um, I think it's a draw. It's either, it's either Claudio or Brian Daniels, I think. Um, I mean, I want to see that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. just, just saying, I just really want to see that. Um, again, you talked about David versus Goliath, and a man you can't get away from is, uh, is David Starr. So um, what would you think about facing David Starr for the title if he, obviously, uh, if you were successful today and he was successful tomorrow? I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm getting tired of facing him, actually. <laughs> so many times, though. Uh, yeah, sometimes. David doesn't succeed, right? It's, it even fits the name, right? So, no, I always had good contests with, uh, with David Starr, for sure. Uh, but I don't know, at the moment he seems to be a little bit frustrated and out of his mind. I don't know what happens. So. <laughs> you better ask him. So, yeah, but if the, 
if it occurs that I'm gonna, I have to face him, if that's the next defense, then I'm just going to do it like I did 25 times before. So. Just, I'm interested in what your thoughts are on Lucky Kid, because Lucky Kid obviously is probably the, he's kind of blowing up in terms of the next big sort of star in Germany, and he's coming over here. Uh, just your thoughts, obviously, for 16 carat as well in the final. Just what do you think about him as a as a next star? I guess. Uh, yeah, I agree. I'm a big supporter of uh, uh, Lucky Kid. He's doing a lot of right things, puts on a lot of effort and that pays off for him at the moment and yeah I think when I did my first run in England that opened the door that direction a little bit and Ilya stepped through and Lucky for sure was the next person and yeah he's very talented and the, has the heart at the right place which is important I think uh, and he will be fine yeah. Thank you. I think so. Well, can I just ask one more? Yes, yeah, really quickly. Um, well, to, uh, Paul Robinson said that if he was to win Super Strong Style 16, that he would want to take his title shot um, against you, and obviously, assuming you still have those titles. Uh, is that anything that you would ever entertain on Monday? <coughs> um, on Monday? Yeah, he says he wants it straight away. If he, the, is, if he wins the tournament, he wants you to come out and he wants it there and then. That won't work because I fly home tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Walter's had some quite strong words about you leading up to this. He said you don't take this seriously enough and that you never thought you'd uh, make it as a singles wrestler. What do you have to say to him in return? Uh, well, I was a singles wrestler before I was a tag team wrestler, so that's obviously a very stupid statement. Um, yeah, um, you know, everyone's free to have their own opinion and have their own words, but, you know, I think Walter's missed four out of the last five shows. So I think that speaks volume really, doesn't it? Empty words, really. So um, I just want to speak to you about, obviously, uh, Tyler and Pete. What has it been like working with them? And some people say your role with them, it's a lot like a mentor and the impact that you have on their careers. Would, with the UK Performance Centre, would it be something you wanted to do transitioning into a trainer's role down there? Um, yeah, uh, the, for me, one of the good things, well, probably one of the best things about doing when you realise just how much of a, a massive company or corporation it is, it gives you a lot more. Um, what's the word? It gives you a lot more confidence in not just obviously the performance side of it, the branding, but the you know the machine that's actually backing you. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then obviously when we go to performance, I mean you see the likes of you know, Hurricane Helms and Matt Bloom and all these people that have got that have made extensive full-on careers now out of professional wrestling. It's not. Just hacking away at yourself and ruining yourself until you're 40, 50 years old, bleeding all over the place. Do you know what I mean? So to see that side of the company is definitely something that I want to look forward to when or if I handle my boots. And, um, I might do the Terry Funk. If someone said to you, you can go to the main roster tomorrow right. on your own, or stay where you are with Pete and Tyler, what would it be? Hey, or do you think they tell you, go to the main roster? Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's no denying it. Like, financially, the main roster is, you know, it is the end goal. We all want to be on WrestleMania. We all want to get those massive paychecks. And we all want to be the bright lights and the big stars and coming out in front of 90,000 people. Um, so as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a human being, yeah. it would be very sensible 
to make the shift to the main roster, save a couple of hundred thousand pounds, put it in the back burner, maybe open up a couple of vegan cafes and restaurants, like <laughs> just in case this whole wrestling thing goes tee up. Um, but yeah, but like I said, obviously, you know, he combined it with stuff like, you know, the option to go into training and, uh, and, um, and producing and things like that. There's a, you know, there's a, a lot of things you can do within WWE if you're not wrestling, but as a wrestler, obviously I've got to think about myself financially, but if you, if I had to go without them, ooh. Do you reckon they I, don't, I think I'll just cross that bridge if and when I have to. <laughs> Do you reckon they'd actually tell you what you're what you doing? Go. I mean, I think, I, firstly I'd be shocked if I went first. <laughs> <laughs> See you lads. <laughs> Grab my bags. No. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I can't really see me going before them to um if ever but you know if it was to happen i'd be uh, it'd be an extremely hard choice to make which i won't be making right now thanks thank you very much good question though. how was uh, how was your mania weekend first ones now that nxt uk is established as a brand and it's quite funny seeing you guys all being like herded around suited and booted around the metlife yeah it was really good um very different to the first two that we did the first one was kind of like a kind of deer in the headlights kind of thing, not in the headlights kind of thing, where it's like, oh my god. It was the Orlando one as well, remember that ridiculous rampway, and the production was just obviously through the roof. And we just wore tweed three piece suits and sweated ourselves to death. <laughs> in a very nice, like, VIP area, I think it was nice, it was cool. Um, so, yeah, that was an incredible experience, obviously, to go as an employee of the company or, you know, as a, as a contracted wrestler. Um, and then the next one was New Orleans, and that was pretty much full on. Like we were wrestling, doing indies, doing like progress and stuff like that. Like I don't know if any of you went, but it was like two-hour drive from like New Orleans to get to this one venue. Then you did the progress show, then you got in the car in gear, and then we went back to uh, Access, and then I ran over from Access to go and do like a Fight Club Pro show and just do the introduction there. It was just constant. It was. It was really, really good. It was really, really good fun. Um, didn't get much sleep because New Orleans is quite an exciting time when the sun goes down as well, which is good. Um, but yeah, this year, very different. A lot more of a corporate role I took, which I enjoyed a lot. Uh, they had us schmoozing people and you know answering a lot of questions and queries and doing a lot more stuff. Um, uh, what's it called? Yeah, like on the corporate side of things, they did. Um, they had a couple of big conferences and stuff like that, and like. Uh, investors and stuff like that, that they had us like, you know, min around at the end and kind of like meet and greet and stuff. And that's definitely something that I'm happy that we started doing. But it was weird to not just be wrestling two, three times a day. <laughs> weird but good. Yeah, weird but good. <laughs> good but weird. <laughs> but yeah. Will calling Express and Star. You mentioned Fight Club Pro. Obviously, you guys had um, a big tournament, a big set of shows a couple of weeks ago. Yep. How do you combine? Having your own promotion alongside WWE UK, just like you're doing the progress, it's a lot of uh, work for one person. Yeah, um, agreed. Um, I think the the place that uh, WWE has now taken, <coughs> as far as my diary goes, um, I thought it'd be, I thought I thought I'd be working a lot less. I thought I'd be a lot more dedicated to WWE and NXT UK. But obviously, with progress and fighting pro, not physically actually wrestling, but you know, most of the other time. But as you say, like organising or helping to organise a three-day tag team tournament that stretched across the country whilst being at the Performance Centre and then go to Glasgow. And then it's just cool. 
you know what I mean? That's always what I wanted to do. I always wanted to be, be busy. Always wanted a career and you know and a, and a future in wrestling. So you've got to take the, the rough with the smooth. And sometimes you just don't really sleep and your brain doesn't switch off. And what do you think about in terms of your role, in terms of the way the West Midlands has become almost like the spearhead of this British invasion? It is a very, very strange hub for anything, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Wolverhampton and the Black Country and, and, and the Midlands itself has become very much so the, uh, the central hub. But I mean, location-wise, it makes common sense. It was always really easy for us to get to any show wherever we were. Birmingham Airport just around the corner and you know the M6 and everything. It is actually quite logistically a very sensible place to live. Um, I speak to a lot of the lot of the younger guys down here in London and they struggle to kind of get out of the M25. Almost, you know what I mean? There's a lot of companies up north that can get a lot of really good exposure. But because there's so many wrestlers between the M25 and there, you know, they're, they're struggling to kind of like get out. And I think the same thing is got uh, Scotland as well. I think we see a very, very short, scarce amount of Scottish wrestling south of the border, literally any, to be really honest, you know. You see a little bit of Wolfgang and you know, you see a bit of Joe Coffey and, and those kind of thing and those kind of guys and I think Noam was probably one of the real big ones and Grado. But yeah, I, I always think the same thing, you know, there's such a good there's such a bunch of wrestlers up there that are filling the Scottish bracket. some great wrestlers down here in London. But they seem to struggle to get up and then struggle to come down. So logistically we set ourselves up. We didn't say that. We have to. Who selects that? Right, where should we go? Football for hands. Set up base there. But yeah, uh, it has become strangely the hub of uh, British professional wrestling, which is a good little testament to have. It gets me uh, free tickets to the Wolves games. <laughs> How was that experience? Yeah, it's good, it's stuff. It's good. There's like 20,000 Sinkara masks. There's <laughs> <laughs> like 20,000 cardboard cutouts yes. and one to every single person. It was amazing. Was like, one day they'll have my face. That stash on uh, Ryan from Sport Bible. Hi Ryan. Um, hi. <laughs> Not to, don't want to mention the other two too much, but that's fine. They they um, decided that they were done with indie dates. Was there? Any, did you at any point, you know, have that thought that you might follow them and just? Um, yeah, and no. I mean, a lot of it is obviously slightly more defined by what we are contracted to do. Yeah, I mean, we obviously, you know, when you you, you work your way up through the independent scenes to get the exact deal that we've got. In fact, we changed professional wrestling, to be really honest, by getting the contracts that we did have that allowed us to do independent dates and WWE dates. I don't think, I think Undertaker did one Japanese show once, do you remember that one? <laughs> Since then, you don't get contracted WWE wrestlers doing independent shows. <clears throat> so I'm very, very proud of the fact that, you know, we were three, the three that spearheaded that kind of, that kind of, I don't know, what's the word, like that morph between the two. Um, but yeah, can't remember the question, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just whether you fancied joining them as a... As um, don't know. I mean, if Trips want to open up his wallet a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, I'm laughing and joking about it, but yeah. Maybe, maybe not. At the end of the day, I'm very thoroughly enjoying my schedule at the minute. I get a little bit, I get, you know, good enough time off in the week to kind of recover and go to the chiropractor and get massages <laughs> and play with my dogs. Then the rest of the time is just traveling around the country thinking and worrying about wrestling. Uh, and the, uh, as well, um, what what did it mean to you to firstly retire Doug William um, and then secondly, what's this current run with the belt meant to you and what will it mean to you to be um, heavyweight champion? Um, in, interestingly enough, someone asked me a question today, they said, uh, are you nervous about tonight? And 
I've only ever been nervous once ever, and that was against Doug. There was a tiny, I said nervous, and just, it, it definitely felt different. And I was a little bit more worried, and I was like, a little bit more hectic backstage than ever happening. Because it was his last ever one. And I mean, you just don't want to be the guy that started. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember your legacy? Yes. The fat moustache one just ruined everything. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that was the only real time I've been um, a little bit, you know, felt a little bit more on edge. Um, but it was, it was a massive moment for me. It's the first time we'd ever wrestled. There's a lot of those first ever's that you'd never, you'd never think had even happened, but never wrestled Jody Flores, Johnny Storm, wrestled El Guerrero once, wrestled Doug Williams once. So yeah, it was massive. Um, and to do it at Wembley in front of, what, four or five thousand people was massive. And then, yeah, um, the Atlas Division uh, Championship, obviously it means a lot. Um, I defended it on a WWE live show in Brighton against Zach Gibson. I don't think anyone's defended the Atlas title on a WWE show in a WWE ring before. I did that with the ICW World title as well. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, that's two companies in two WWE. Called Round Breaker. One more question. And by my second, or something else. And about tonight. Yeah, about, about how, how, how much it would mean to you to be world champion as well. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the debate online about the whole Triple Crown thing is one of the things that really spurred me on over the last couple of weeks. Um, I feel like, you know, being the first person to win Atlas, Tag, and World, I think, uh, you know, you only get one chance to be the first ever, right? So. Bring it on. It's going to be an awful morning, whatever happens. <laughs> <laughs> I am Jake from uh, 24 Wrestling. Obviously, okay. um, Fight Club Pro had a massive event at Currican Hall yeah. in January. Um, when, obviously, you had Akira Tazawa on the show, yeah. which was an incredible get. Yeah. Um, how did that come about? Did, did you ask a question? Or is it kind of like, could we get... I think you can probably guess exactly what happened. Okay. I said, hey. <laughs> But obviously we had, there was a conflict in scheduling with me being Tyler as well, obviously yeah. with going into takeover, you know, that kind of flight, or you know, if your flight gets cancelled and you get stuck somewhere else, you know what I mean, we have to obviously dedicate ourselves to WWE, so it was just really nice for them to kind of like, just chuck on a little bit out back, back our way for um, for obviously the clashing dates, but both shows were amazing. Do you know what I mean? Corrigan Hall nearly sold out, and then we stayed here and did our thing at Takeover and made history. So, good couple of weekends. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just one more quick one. Go Do on. you ever think there will be a WWE show at the Molyneux, and will you be in the main event against Sin Cara? I from I'll just kill myself. It would be good, wouldn't it? I don't, I can't see it. I can't see it happening at the Molyneux. But they're redeveloping the Wolverhampton Civic Hall, <laughs> which tell me that I'll tell you something. That is an exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> that place is mecca. I've seen some of the worst shows. You can easily fit 2,000 in there, I reckon. And there's 48 people at once. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry to bring it all the way back down after you talk about wrestling. That's okay. Now we'll talk about. All <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, well, that's a civic hall is definitely one off, off the bucket list that I want to do, but I feel like, you know, 
fingers crossed we can just keep Poker Pro pushing and, and have our little kind of like Midlands Mania type thing there, that'd be great. Um, that'd be definitely what I want to tick off. Have you copyright that name? <sighs> Probably. <laughs> just right I'll now. just do it anyway. Yeah, that's it. I'll set it out there now. Yes. Copyright. But yeah, Molly, maybe not. But I can definitely feel something brewing with regards to a revisit to Wembley Stadium with SummerSlam, I think. I think it's going to be a. I know Triple H kind of gets a little bit peeved about it when this fans start chanting <laughs> and stuff like that, but I don't know. I think I'd love to be part of something like that. Even if we could just, you know, just get the thing to actually happen. I think it'd be an amazing achievement, especially obviously as growing the brand from the UK. That'll obviously be a massive factor. Uh, so, yeah, let's just keep our fingers crossed. Hopefully, we'll return to one by 100,000 people. Bang. Anyone else? Go on, quick. <laughs> this is not the first time you fought for a world title against Walter. So two of you fought with uh, Big Damo for the WXW title back in 2011. Do you remember anything about that? Mastiff. Yes, Mastiff. Mastiff, not Damo. No offence. It was Mastiff. Uh, yeah. And um, that was a rude awakening. We were a lot younger then. A lot crazier. Well, maybe not crazy. Um, but yeah, I do remember it. Um, Vividly, I got battered. So, um, yeah, this is the one. One on one, first ever time, I think. They've been done before. So, Alexander Palace is getting ready for a unification match, and I'm telling you now, it's going to be an absolute barn burner. <laughs> So, Louis from WrestleTalk. I just wanted to ask about Jimmy Havoc. Obviously, it's his last match tomorrow, and you and him have had a story sort of journey here in the Premier What impact has he had on your career, not only in the ring, but possibly outside the ring as well? Um, I think uh, Jimmy has added years to my body because I've had to do all the work while he drinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I've known Jimmy for a long time. It's been great tagging with him for the past couple of years. Um, it's, it's just been fun. You know, it's been interesting to see the crazy bitch that we have done over the last, you know, two years. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to miss him in a really weird way. It's like the, the weird drunk uncle that just kind of lingers around your house and like... He is the weird drunk uncle. Well, he is. is really. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. I mean, Jimmy's incredible. He's, he's helped develop the Bridges scene so, so much. Um, from training to just kind of putting a whole different aspect on wrestling as well. Um, the one thing for me that Jimmy has brought is that he's himself, unapologetically, is yeah. word. Um, and for me, that's a really positive <laughs> thing because a lot of people who come into wrestling are really nervous and they're not very sure of themselves. And I was there once, and Jimmy helped me just be okay with being me. And it's okay to like death matches, and it's okay to bring out barbed wire, and you know it's. Be you, and for me, that's the one thing that will kind of stay with me forever because of Jim. But from that's a personal aspect, from the business aspect, it's I mean, it's going to suck here without him because he brings so much. But we've got such an amazing pool of talent that is coming up as well. So I don't think there will be a void in British wrestling, but we will miss him a lot, definitely. So you spoke about him helping you come up when you sort of first started and helping you with your nerves. Has working you two both together been a massive sort of thing that you wanted or was that something that sort of came about and you thought that could really help us? 
is something that we've both wanted for a long time. Um, and it's been cool as well because Vic has got to work with both Jimmy and me, which if you haven't noticed, we are the complete polar opposites of each other. Yeah. Um, like, you know, right before my music plays, I'm nowhere to be seen and it freaks her the hell out. Whereas my anxiety goes from here to here because everyone's going, where's Mark? I'm I'm like, I, I got time, do you know what I mean? I'm going to chill out for a bit. Like, one of my music plays just kick me in the ribs, wake me up, and I'll be there. Um, whereas Jimmy's there, like, always dead on time, you know. Um, and the chance to, for this to come up and, and to take place, you know, um, is, has been fun ever since it happened. So, And it started right here as well, in Ali Paddy. So it's, it's cool to come back to this, especially with it being Jimmy involved, because it was during the death match between me and him that, you know, this whole dynamic between the three of us started. And, uh, mm -hmm. I guess it's kind of where it ends, at least for the foreseeable future as well. Oh, so, so on, when you said the foreseeable future, has there sort of been any contact with AEW where he's going that you thought maybe you could take, if they do take a sort of hardcore, edgier route, something you and him could sort of rehash I, over there? I think it's more so from the point that I know him and I know myself, so it's only a matter of time before one of us is fired, and then we're <laughs> back to being a team again. Great. You laughed, but that's the truth. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Liam from Pro Wrestling Journal. Uh, I've seen you a few times live. I saw you uh, Rev Pro when Jushin Thunder Liger first came over, first match in the card. I then saw you main event recently, Riptide, when I think your aunt tried to rush the ring against Paul <laughs> Robinson, which was uh, an interesting occasion. What's it been like to sort of live through such a changing British scene, I guess? Cause We're a family of fighters, man. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to get involved. Um, yeah, but no, it's been, it's been super cool, especially, you know, when we started out, I was, what, like 10, 12 years ago, like the wrestling scene was so different in this country, and it's been cool to see it grow and blossom, and it's why I feel like, I definitely feel super protective of it now, because, you know, it's at a point now where it's, you know, it's gaining more and more momentum, you know, now uh, people can make full-time livings out of British wrestling, where, you know, when we started, and for a long time, that wasn't the case. Um, and a lot of it comes down to just the fan support that we have now, you know, back in 2006 it wasn't there. Like nowadays, you know, we have such a fan following, um, it's just a crazy time to be alive because I definitely never thought that, you know, British wrestling would ever reach where it's at now. And I'm super excited to see where it goes in the next few years. Uh, Will from TalkSport, uh, how is MSG? It was crazy, man. You know, I mean, I've done smaller shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty mental. It's What's pretty mental. The Smallest, like 15 people, like, yeah, biggest, 20,000, you know. Yeah. It's, it's a different. Yeah. <laughs> in a street fight with legends like Bully Ray and stuff, so. I don't know, man. We saw him Friday and you were so laid back about the whole thing. We, I felt like we were more excited than you were. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always laid back about everything. Before the show, I was nervous and I wasn't even on it. I had, you know, my stomach was going and butterflies and I'm texting him, going, are you okay? Are you prepared? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> that was like, it. <laughs> like, what, what do you think you're going to do? I'm like, uh, you know, get stuck in. <laughs> like, but um, no, it, it was pretty crazy. Like the, the thing that really freaked me out the most was I made the horrendous mistake of leaving her with my credit card. And so it was literally when she texted me, she's like, oh boy, we want a round of drinks. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to get this match over with this credit card. <laughs> I know what the garden is charging. So yeah, it was just getting you know, get that win and then get straight up to the, to stop her and get your wife on a leash and lead her up. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, Ryan from Sport Bible. Um, obviously, the, the the story with DNR is that you are the old old men of uh, of progress now. 
Um, what do you think about the guys that you're working with on your team and also um, the guys that you're against and what their futures hold for them? Um, well, if they make it through today, <laughs> then they might have a bright future. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's cool. You know, it, um, again, to team up with Jimmy, you know, this is the last time that he and I are going to be a team over here, like I said, for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, Mandrews, like, I always dreamt of us, he and I, being a, a team called the Smart Marks. You know, um, yeah, and then I'll uh, just wear the dumb puns I can come up with, and then, like, Liguero, I mean, I guess if I have to team with him, you know, like, um, but no, I mean, it should be cool, and, uh, you know, I gotta also give a major hats off to the DNR guys, is like, you know, say what you want about them personally, all those guys work their asses off, and, you know, like, Manvo has come on leaps and bounds, he's a guy that, you know, always wants to listen to people, he always constantly wants to get better, same as Drew, same as Trebay, same as uh, Pasta, although usually he's just shouting at a wall, like, <laughs> you know, old man, the hours of the sun, right? <laughs> you know, he's, you know they're, they're all good guys, and, you know, um, I hope that, you know, they, they manage to step up and, and continue, the test yeah, and kind of keep things going forward. You've uh, also got a history with um, Super Strong Style and you were ill one of the years and obviously yeah. unfortunately had to get removed. You died. Um, yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you make of the tournament generally and, and especially this year and who, 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 do you, who, who do you fancy to win? Well, um, I definitely think it sucks this year because for the second year in a row I'm not in it. So, um, yeah. But no, I mean, it's, it's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Start kicking off like, what would I um no, it's, it's cool, like, it's a super cool concept, like, anytime you have tournaments, like, those big weekends, like, they're a lot of fun, like, you know, and it, it, it's cool as well to see, you know, how things progress and see where you get to and that, and, um, yeah, I, I think that tonight is going to be crazy and I think tomorrow is going to be equally as crazy as well. I think it brings out the best in everyone as well with tournaments as well, people get, I mean, people are competitive anyway in wrestling, but then you put them in a tournament and they kind of, they step up one more, you know, so it, it will be really interesting. Yeah. I got nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you guys enjoy it more when you've got a, a storyline that you've got now where Vicky you really get to get involved because obviously you were you were attacked yourself. I was yeah. evil. Um, I love storylines. I mean that that's the one thing I really love and always have done about wrestling. I love how you can use a manager and you know use that to get certain emotions out of different people. And I think that's I've had so much fun with this. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, obviously I'm going to say storylines are better, because <laughs> then I get involved more. But obviously, you you are more nitty-gritty, hands-on, get stuck in. I don't mind either. Like, as long as I get to kick someone like Marty Skirt, I'm a happy man. <laughs> so, yeah, any day I get to kick Marty is a great day. <laughs> Were there any more stories about Marty from New York being had to be carried home? Because that's what the claim that you made out there was that you've had to carry them to I the have. There wasn't a story from New York, but there was one from Vegas where <laughs> we, I walked into the bar and like he came up to me, he was like, Skips, you need to help me, man. Like, Jay Briscoe's trying to kill me. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, it seems a bit intense. Like, I'll, I'll see what's going on. And I, like, I see Jay and he's drunk, but he's just, you know, happy as anything. And then I see Marty come up. He's like, come on then, Jay, I'll fight you. And then the second of Jay's like, all right, man, come on. I'm like, you know, then Marty's like, you're scared to help me. I'm like, no, I'm not going to help you if you're starting to fight something. Like, it just yeah. keeps on going, doesn't it? Yeah, like some people were really worried. They were like, you know, you, someone's going to have to step in and stop Jay. And I'm like, no, screw that. I'm going to let him get a few shots in first before I try and stop anything. Like, you know. But, um, yeah, no, um, yeah, I hate Marty when he's drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's an absolute nightmare, but. Dude. He is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Marty's goal, he recently said on Twitter that um, 
Rampage Brown was an independent guy who we thought deserved more credit and recognition. Is there any person, guy or girl, that you guys think deserves more credit, recognition, and sort of, yeah, credit than they currently get? I second that, that Rampage. Rampage definitely. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah, freakishly strong. And Why do you think he doesn't get sort of the credit he deserves? I don't know. I just, I think that sometimes when you're outside, you're out of mind. And, um, I feel especially kind of with him is like, unless you're in the ring with a lot of people, you don't realize how good people are, right? Like, you know, um, people can watch stuff and I feel like as a fan or a spectator, you're always more drawn to what's like visually more appeasing. Like, you know, whether it's, depending on who it is in that match that's actually putting the work in, you know, but Rampage is always somebody that goes out there and gives it everything, you know, he goes, you know, balls to the wall. Um, he's awesome heavyweight, he's freakishly athletic, and he's somebody that I definitely think should be getting a lot more uh, credibility here, there, and everywhere. Mm, definitely. Another person for me, um, even though, you know, she's NXT UK, she's in progress, I think Ginny is absolutely incredible in and out the ring. Um, I think she is, she is just incredible. For me personally, she's helped me so much outside the ring with mindset. Um, she's very supportive. Uh, no matter you know where she's been, where she, you know what she's doing, she's willing to listen. She's willing to learn, and I think that mindset is incredible in this business because not a lot of people have it. A lot of people are put in a spotlight, and they might get an ego, they might get a little bit too comfortable with themselves. But she's always willing to do more, and I think you know we haven't seen the best of her yet. And I think that's someone that I think that people are kind of. I don't know, waiting on the sidelines to really see what she can do. Um, she's had some incredible matches, but I think this next couple of years are really gonna, we're gonna see her shine. On that, just to bring it full circle, how much do you think that generosity that Jimmy's kind of got comes from training and working with Jimmy? Yeah, I, I think, now you say it, yeah, because she, she uh, Ginny took Ginny under his ring, really, and I think that a lot of that has been seeing the world through Jimmy's eyes as well. So you get a very realistic view of what wrestling can bring. It can be amazing, it can be wonderful, but it can also, you know, have its dips. And I think um, by having that view early on, she was able to kind of get her mindset around it and go, oh, okay, right, how can I deal with this? How can I overcome this? What do I need to do to better myself? And I think that does come from Jimmy as well. I definitely instilled that workhorse mentality of just yes. doing everything that you can to you know, make the best out of every situation. And that's all you can do. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jake from SC Scoops and 24 Wrestling. Um, obviously, you're with Ring of Honor now, Mark. Um, when you were the G1 Supercard, you were backstage and there were some New Japan talents there. Was there anyone you looked at and thought, I have to go, I have to go there January 4th, and I just have to kick someone as hard as I can? Oh. Apart from Marty, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'd love to be able to step in there with Liger, but you know, he's, he's retiring. Um, you know, which is unfortunate because he's awesome. Um, there's a lot of guys on the roster that I would like to be able to tie up with, but you know, um, you know, once I've you know got rid of everybody in Ring of Honor, then you know we'll move on to New Japan. We'll, we'll see who's, who's ready for a kick in there. So do you think that? Do you see kind of you obviously with the Ring of Honor title? There's always a Ring of Honor Championship match in the Tokyo Dome. Do you? Wow! Now you, you said it. That's definitely on the the bucket list. But you know. We'll, we'll see how things go, you know, like um, it's still, you know, relatively early days. You know, I've got some unfinished business with Billy Ray. Um, Going to get stuck in with him and then we'll, we'll see where we're at from here.
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So hi, Louis from Russell Talk. Hi, Louis from Russell Talk. Um, wanted to ask about your match today with Paul Robinson. As in, was that decision from you that you said I want to face him, or was that something? No, it's time. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I've always been annoyed that Paul got that win on me. The first death match, and I'm not going out like that. I'm pretty much. I'm with him. I'm the king of the death match. He's a little gobby prick. Ooh. He's a tough man. Take him on a tall way down. Speaking of AEW, was it ever sort of a worry for you signing for them that you wouldn't be able to do the hardcore? (laughs) Well, you wouldn't be able to do the sort of hardcore death matches that you've sort of become infamous for. Um, I think I've become infamous for it because I don't like running, to be fair, and it's a lot easier to bleed than it is to run. Probably bad knees. but like for me, I always prefer it when the death matches mean something. There's like a build to it. So I think I can still do, you know, I think the plan is for me to still do hardcore stuff in AW, but there'll be story behind it, big reasons for doing it, instead of just, oh, this is my tune, you can bleed tonight, sorry, what? <laughs> and for my once, I did a no DQ match, and I said, what have you got? Oh, so we've got a table, a couple of chairs, and a uh, hundred light tubes. What? Sorry. <laughs> That's escalated quickly. <laughs> no need. But um, I, I like it. I love my own blood. Tastes, tastes good, too. And... So on Twitter, after John Moxley released his video, I think you posted some thinking emojis. Is he someone you really well, want to face? Yeah. Part of me hopes it's a work and he's staying there because I, I clap my hands. It's very good, it's very well done. But um, yeah, no, I'd love to wrestle him, yeah. We were meant to do a No Rebarbo match in Germany years ago. It was going to be a tag match. It was meant to be me and Drake Younger against Sammy Hallen and Moxley, but Sammy got a, a staff infection, so we couldn't do it. So they pulled me out of the match, which sucked. 
That's probably bad for my body, to be fair. Well, it's got a real good scar from that one. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, he's cool. Thank you. All right, Liam, progressing journal, Liam. It may be one and the same thing, but what's your proudest moment or match on the British independence scene that you've had? Um, either the first one with Robinson, chapter 21, uh, or the last one I had with Osprey. Uh, I can't remember what chapter that was. Okay. Any particular reason for those two? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any, any particular reason for those two? That you I don't know. Osprey always makes me look really good. I would say he's, he's the most gifted athlete I think I've ever met in my life, and probably the best wrestling I've ever <laughs> And uh, it makes me feel smart about myself and around him, so that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, no, like the, the Robinson one, I quite liked it because at the end of like the, the three-year storyline, like, there was a lot of emotion behind it. And I think it got a lot of people who may never have seen Deathmatch before go, oh, it's not just garbage, there, there can be storytelling in it, there can, there can be a good reason for, for the violence kind of thing. And I think violence, when it's used right, is, is emotional, is impactful. Um, and the Osprey one, just because I never thought I could wrestle for more than 20 minutes. We did like 45 minutes there, so that was, yeah. that was, yeah, made me feel very about myself. And also, I found that wrestling not hungover. My cardio is pretty good. <laughs> uh, just one last one from me. Um, when you first stepped foot in the ring to train, what was your end goal? Uh, was it any different due to what no, you were interested in? I was getting the table. As literal as it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so I tried, I thought, we'll give it a go because I love wrestling. I, ne I never managed to do my job. Never. It's, uh, if it all ends tomorrow, I'd have no regrets. Awesome. Uh, the way I live, my women. <laughs> 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 Thank you. Uh, Ryan from Sport Bible. Uh, um, can you tell us what uh, the progress has meant to you and what you feel that you need to progress, I guess? Um, I think my name is always going to be linked to progress, no matter what I do in the future. And I'm, not, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of the work we've done together. Um, when it started out, it was just a few of us really just throwing shit against the wall and seeing what stuck. And luckily, there was more shit that stuck than, than went down our trousers or something. So. Um, but yes, but I love Jim, John and Glenn. Like Jim's one of my best mates and getting to do everything we've done together is, yeah, I'm very proud of it. I can look back on this and go, do you know, I, I'm not that shit. <laughs> I shouldn't keep any to myself on Twitter. I'm, I'm all right, I'm not, I'm not that bad. But yeah, if, ever, if I'm ever having a good day, I'll have to make search and then bring you right back down here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, yourself, you're, you're leaving and um, somebody else who, who means something to you, a lot to you is, is Ginny, who's also leaving. Can you give us a word for, for her and how she's developed in the last Yeah, I'm really, really proud of her, very proud of her. So I can always look at her and go, yeah, I did do something right. Um, yes, yeah, she's my best mate as well. I'm, I'm getting quite much about leaving everyone, and the more we talk about people, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm not going to see all these people for a long time. Until I get fired, I'm sitting there. Yeah, no, I'm really proud of everything she's done. She's stolen everything off me, obviously, but you know, she, she does it really well. So, yeah, she is the female me. She dressed as me the other day at an Eve show. She didn't tell me, that was quite <laughs> is, there, is there anyone in AEW specifically that you're looking forward to going up against? Um, I'd like to wrestle Cody again. We wrestled once at Lander a couple of years ago. That was quite fun. Um, I've never wrestled Darby Allen, so I would quite like to do that. I've had a few with Janela. He's good. Oops, excuse me, sorry. And the NGF as well, I'm a big fan of him, even though he's a prick. He's, mm. he's very talented. He's a talented prick. You see my Rosie O'Donnell? Oh, no. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I saw his response to it on Twitter, which was incredible, just yeah. brilliant work. Uh, it's funny you said about getting fired, Jimmy. Mark Haskins said literally the same thing yesterday. He's like, oh, we'll wrestle again soon, because one of us will be fired <laughs> within the next six months. Um, what's it been like coming here this weekend? It feels like you're almost attending your own funeral, the way everyone's talking about you. I was like, I'm not dead, I'm not dying. Like, <laughs> 
Am I? <laughs> it's nice to know what my funeral would be like, though. Because, yeah, more people, I imagine. I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's emotional. I'm, I'm looking forward to a new chapter. I think it's, I've done everything I can in England, really. I've done more than I should have done. Some of my looks or talent you never have got as far as I have. But um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to a new chapter. And what no, was <laughs> what was yesterday like for you as well? Doing that, the kind of the old school progress guy. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, it was really yeah, the matches. It was super fun. Um, the reactions were all good. And like, I, I, Mambo is a training of mine. Pastor was a training of mine for a bit. I'm really friends with Drew. Uh, Spike's come along long way since he started as well. And like, it, it was cool wrestling those guys. And like, I love Ali Pali. Like last year it was me and Haskins. Was that last year or the year before? You, last yeah, year it was you and Janela and you did the... Barefoot Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, Barefoot Tax does suck a lot. I need to do my shoes up tight, that's the problem. I was never, that's why I do zips. I don't have time to shoot. Yeah, I don't know what the question was. Well, it was kind of that last time. moment getting to be in the ring with Mark and Vicky mm. and Eddie and, and all of those yeah, guys. So like, I mean, Haskins have been tagging for the last couple of years, and like we're really good friends. Uh, they looked after me on Christmas Day. Him and Vicky, so that was nice. It's nice. Uh, I was meant to have dinner at two. We didn't have until seven because uh, we were so drunk. The cooking was was a problem. Um, but yeah, like Eddie, I've been friends with for ages. We've got these and stuff, and like Miguero and Marlo. We've all been really sort of coming up together since the start. So it's, it's nice. It was nice to have that match, and the reactions were really good. And I feel pretty good. Great. We have time for two questions. Just if I could ask, is there any independent guy or girl you feel doesn't get enough credit or recognition? No, everyone gets more credit than they deserve, I think. <laughs> 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 um, uh, I don't know, it's, it's hard to say, because like, I think wrestling is very subjective. Like, half the people, like, for me it's a difficult one, because deathmatch fans hate me because they don't think I kill myself enough. Normal wrestling fans hate me because I'm a garbage deathmatch wrestler. So, but then half the people would love me. So it's like I mean, in your view of wrestling, who doesn't get enough credit? You went up. No, it's, my view is very warped. Who do I like? Rampage Brown, I think, deserves a lot more. I think everyone. Yeah, that's probably the best. Yeah, Rampage. he's one of the best wrestlers, if not the best in the country at the moment. I think. And yeah, he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Maybe it's Nathan Cruz, a big fan of him. Um, Mike Kirby as well. Yeah, he's fucking wicked. I'm really glad I've got to wrestle him. Kirby's good. I've wrestled around the that felt. Yeah, felt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the morning was fun. But yeah, yeah, Rampage is definitely one. Thank you. Um, yeah, you go for it. Yeah, we're going to go for it. I was going to say, um, do you and your doctor have a laugh? Like, does your doctor. Oh, no, doctor. Really? Bit of super glue, hopes and dreams, has all together. <laughs> I've only been, I've only had stitches twice, uh, and they've both been in the last year. Did the pizza cutter? Pizza cutter on this arm, and then light tubes on this elbow. I had nine stitches in this in Japan. Uh, did four more death matches with the stitches in. Got to New York, did one match in New York, and they all bust out. So I didn't want to pay for stitches there, so I came home, and the NHS were like, ah, it's not much we can do now. Started healing, so, oh, good, thanks, I've just got this big hole in my arm now. That's fun. So you travel with a Pritt stick, man? Yeah, Pritt stick's good. Crazy <laughs> glue, that's pretty good. <laughs> copy decks, uh, remember copy decks? That one you just put in your hands. This is the big one there. Um, yeah, that was in Canada, and uh, 
Og det er grunden til at se, så så jeg, at jeg også faktisk dør. Ja, jeg er faktisk bare der. Jeg tager op på den for mig. Yeah, I was in hospital on a drip for a day, and then started spending. I thought I was dying. I'm really glad I googled it because he said, "Oh no, you could die from this." What? Well, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have gone to three gigs with a hat on and sweating into it. I think that was the that was the big one. You live and you learn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll do it again at some point. Definitely. Is what it is. It's better than an office job. That's more painful. Office jobs are much more painful. I think emotionally than the rest of This is depressing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Suppose an advantage to living like that now that you go into America and you'd have to pay for healthcare, so... Nah, don't have to pay if you're fake, man, yeah. <laughs> 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 That's how it works, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, 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 apparently so. Any more questions? I was going to just ask about what you said about people's perceptions of you. Yeah. When AEW announced you and they put out that video and you see Kasarian putting you over for not being just a deathmatch guy, but for the storytelling, for the way you talk, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, well, how important was that to you to hear people giving you some praise for something other than, oh, look, he kills himself, that's great. No, it, it was nice, but I already signed a contract by the point, so that's... <laughs> I assume they thought that on me, otherwise I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, it, it is nice. It, I think, like, <coughs> from, like, talking to, like, Zach Sobjic, my best mate, he doesn't do deathmatch, but you do deathmatch with me because he knows there'll be a, an art to it and it's not just two blokes hitting each other with each for the sake of hitting each other with each And I'll take most of the stuff anyway, so I'm not getting hurt. Um, but yeah, it is nice to hear from peers because I, I do get down myself quite a lot and I do worry that everyone's perception of me is that I'm just this garbage wrestler. So it's nice to hear that other people think I'm not. So is that your Ended on a slightly happy is, is that your goal, <laughs> trying to make people realise that death matches are more than people championship matches? Over the last couple of years, I think the thing I'm most, one of the things I'm most proud of is the fact that I've brought a new audience to death matches and made people see that it isn't just, you know, shit. there's a lot of shit, yeah. a lot of shit, death match wrestlers, and some people do do it because they can't do anything else. But I think when there's a reason behind it and you make people care about it, it's, it, it, it's, a good, it's an art form. Mm. And, uh, That seems to be the lazy way of people talking about wrestling. That was an eye subjective. But no, it is, it's, it's performance art. It's like freak show. <laughs> Jackass. That's where I got a lot of my ideas from. That and uh, bottom. <laughs> 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 So, Louis from WrestleTalk. Um, so, obviously, signed with AEW. What are your opinions on promotions like AEW, WWE, and their impact on the independent scene, if any, at all? Well, to me personally, I feel like I don't know how AEW's relationship with the Indies is necessarily yet because we haven't even started. But with WWE's, I think it's kind of bullish because I feel like a lot of the fans know going in that the wrestlers. WWE can't go under to these random indies and I've experienced that firsthand over and over and over and I feel like it kind of kills the illusion of shit so personally I don't like it but what can you do when daddy has all that money so um, a lot of actually NXT fans are quite not disappointed but sort of selfishly hoping you would appear there then obviously signed with AEW was there any contact with WWE and them saying we'd like to bring you in and obviously yeah but there's a thing inside me where 
I don't like I really want to be creatively in control at all times because I don't feel like people understand what I'm all about and I feel like they were just might have just been like you're the guy who's gonna cut promos in the attic looking all spooky and like you don't know shit about me so I don't even want to play that game right now so for those fans that don't and anyone that doesn't understand you how would you sort of describe your act and your character in a sentence say? Well, my act, that's the thing is, it's not so much an act. My whole wrestling, the reason I have half my face painted and people think it's like a gimmick or it's fun or whatever. But when I was five, my uncle was drunk driving and he crashed in his accident and I was in the car and then he passed away from that accident. So half my face is painted because 50% of me feels dead inside. That's the respect for humans, that's the trust for humans. So I carry that into my wrestling. And throughout the years before I was doing wrestling, I was a sponsored skater and I also filmed stunts for MTV. But I did a lot of crazy, reckless like activities. And I felt like it all stems from that accident when I was younger. I was like, I don't give a shit about life. Let's get wild, you know, and do all these crazy. So that's how it kind of translated in my wrestling in a way. I just was out there to go insane. So. If people don't know me, that's kind of like the backstory of why I'm the way I am. Thank you. Uh, can I ask, on that point, sorry, Will from TalkSport, uh, wrestling is a huge amount about protecting the other person you're working with. So have you almost, you said about kind of uh, that approach that you had to skating and that side of things was, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do this. Have you learned to maybe re-respect like, because of the way the wrestling works? It's kind of different because I'm not out there going to do anything to anybody else. I'm like, hey, pal, help me up. So, I'm not going to hurt you. You're going to hurt me. So, that's all I can say about that. Really. Well, with that in mind, it's a little embarrassing because still sat in the room, but uh, Jimmy said that, that Jimmy having said that somebody he'd be really excited to go around with in AWB yourself, how would you see that going? I feel like it's a long time overdue, to be honest, and I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. I could see it being not only giving people what they want from a hardcore standpoint, but from an emotional storytelling standpoint as well. So I feel like we can do the best of both worlds in that aspect. Uh, Liam from Paris New Journal. Um, Jim said, I just want to check this, it's the first time wrestling outside of North America, is that correct? Yeah. Uh, how does it feel, I guess, being over in England and, and obviously you know, having the fans cheering you on and stuff like that, how does that feel? It's good. Um, coming out for the first time to do the meet and greet autograph thing the first night, kind of get here and you don't know what to expect and then when you see this long ass line, you know, people, you know, really do give up. So. In that sense, it was really like nice and rewarding mentally. And then, plus coming down here for the first time, you always hear the stories about progress. So, I definitely wanted to see what it's all about. Uh, I've asked you a few times to be well, actually. Just uh, when you first stepped into the ring, what, did, what was your end goal going to be? What did you want to do in, in, in your wrestling career? <clears throat> Leave, like knowing that I was me the whole time and not morphed into something. Like, I want to leave. I want to leave the same way I came in. Like I don't want to leave as like Darby, the cement truck driver, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just, it just created freedom. That's all I wanted and people to see what I have to offer. Thank you.
uh, Ryan from Sport Bible, you've got, obviously got a really unconventional style. Is there anyone um, that inspired you wrestling-wise when you were starting out? And uh, it sounds weird. I'd say like Rey Mysterio, you know, in a way like just his evasions and the way he moves around to get away from say the bigger guy and stuff. So it was very innovative. So I was like, okay, like I just really liked the whole building psychology around. You know, I'm not gonna go in there and act. You know, a lot of like these like smaller indie guys like. I don't know if they have little man syndrome or what the fuck the deal is, but I feel like a lot of them don't want to sell, and a lot of them want to be like, yo, man, like, I'm not, like, we're lucky to be, like, this size to me, because I feel like it's so, you can be so creative, and a guy like Mysterio was so good at it, and he didn't have, like, that weird, oh, I'm not going to sell for this guy, I'm going to do power moves, like, like that, like, if you notice any of my moves personally, I don't pick anybody up, I don't do anything, it's all, like, Reds, centers, like whatever. I don't, you're not gonna see me powerbomb. And I like doing that because I don't want to be the guy who goes out there and tries to whatever, little man center. From that psychology standpoint, do you like working from under then? Is that like where you kind of enjoy your. Yeah, definitely. Just because it's been that feeling like my whole life. So I'm not gonna come into wrestling like the illusion, like, oh, shit, you can create whatever you want in wrestling, so I'm like, I just carry how I felt my whole life, and I feel like it's going to come off more organic and real to the people, so, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the process of signing with AEW, who got in contact with you, how it kind of all came about. Um, it was a very tricky, uh, like, process, I'd say, you know what I mean, with everything going on, but um, mainly it was just Cody, he, um, I wrestled Pentagon at this whatever, uh, super show for Northeast Wrestling where Omega had a match with Phoenix. And then um, Cody just saw that match and he's like, oh, yeah, this guy's interesting. So worked out from there and just kept talking. And if they talk too much about creative, I know you said you like to kind of have some creative control of yourself, but if they talk too much about creatively where they see you being within the company as and when it becomes a TV regular thing? No, as of now, all I have in my first match is against Cody at June 29th, Fighter Fest. And I've already filmed promos and things for that that I'm going to release like, in the near, near future. But um, creative wise, I said whatever the fuck I want to say in those promos and do whatever I don't, you know, all hell, like, I'm daddy, no, like, I do what I want, you know what I mean, and we'll see how long that lasts till we start TV, you know. But as of now, I have free range to be me. If you were in Cody's position, who would be one guy or girl that you think, yeah, we need him or her with AEW? So is that just from the Indies or is that just... Or, yeah, well, sort of, anybody, anybody. That's already on AWL. I don't even know, man. I don't even watch wrestling. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> I would say, well, so who'd be the guy? I'd say Ricky Martin or something. Who'd be the person you want to wrestle? <laughs> <laughs> who do you want to wrestle on an AEW show? If the choice was yours. Ricky Martin. <laughs> I've been to Yes. Ricky Martin. I've got to pay for that. No ring. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, now that you've sorry, now you've branched out and kind of come to England, have you got plans to potentially go? I don't know, Japan or Mexico or anywhere else if you, if you could. I um, I've been to Mexico, but I definitely want to go wherever the wind takes me. Now that I don't know what the relationship, I know AEW has a relationship with AAA. I know they have one with OWE, and I know that there's talks of going to those places, obviously. So as of now, I'm just down to like wherever the wind takes me. With that. Cool. Yeah. Time for probably two quick questions. So, sorry, but would you see AEW going down the route of a full touring promotion in six months, a year? And would that be something that you'd sort of go, I don't want to do that because you want to sort of continue with the indies or? See, I'm done with the indies once my contract you know, actually starts. So um, I'm down to do the full-time like tour only because I like to for storyline purposes I like to devote as much energy into one program if that makes sense like you know just tell one story instead of a hundred scattered stories but I feel like I just put all the energy into this do you know sort of the plans to go that route if there are any or honestly I don't know anything like right now about the schedule like as of you know I don't even know what's going on so I just signed that favor. Cool. One more, Zara. Yeah. Um, just you said you don't watch a lot of wrestling. What do you do in your downtime? Drug movies and skateboard. And yeah. So I went to film school before I dropped out for wrestling. And my goal with the whole AEW thing is like I'll sign there because I'll have the creative freedom to do stuff outside of wrestling as well, like direct my movies. So I'm gonna be doing a movie in August. And then uh, I just like to skate in, you know. Around. So, thank you. So, hi, Louis from Russell Talk. Um, I think if I correct me if I'm wrong, you sent out a tweet today about intergender wrestling. Yep. If it was down to you, who would you face any man in wrestling? If it was down to me, I've already actually wrestled him before, but uh, a man who just won this tournament. He's freaking awesome, and I had one of my best intergender matches I've ever had with him uh, last year, actually. So. so, if this happens, obviously, this event next year, if you're still the women's champion and they gave you the choice, would you defend that on the show or be in the tournament as a female competitor? That is a tough decision. Um, I feel like I'd really want to be in the tournament because I don't know if they'd have, they've had women in there before, but. No, they haven't. Okay, so that would be pretty awesome to be the first woman in the tournament. That would be really freaking cool. <laughs> Once in a lifetime opportunity for sure. Uh, going back a little bit, um, I wanted to ask you about defending the title against uh, Lisa Marie on her retirement year yeah. and what that experience was like for you and how she was working with you and stuff. Oh my goodness, it was just, it's crazy how uh, you watch people as you're growing up and then eventually you get to wrestle them because She's someone that I never in a million years have I wrestled, and especially for the progress title. So it was kind of uh, mind-blowing. She was really easy to work with. She was actually incredibly nervous because, you know, we're, we're a different generation of, of female wrestlers. So the way that uh, she was an awesome wrestler for her time, and she's also awesome for this time, but I think she finds a little more spotty and fast-paced, you know, stuff like that. We, we call almost everything in our matches now, and, and Back then, it used to be 
maybe you call a spot here and there, but you fill it in with other stuff. So she was really nervous about remembering mostly. Uh, just something I'd ask. Impact's been on a bit of a rise of late. Yeah. Would moving to somewhere like WWE or AEW interest you, or you is your goal sort of helping Impact get up to where it was and in line with those two other promotions? I definitely want to help Impact rise, hopefully above and beyond uh, Ring of Honor. And I know eventually AEW is going to be an amazing company, but they're brand new. They haven't even run a single show yet, and Impact has been around for years. And I think to get up to where they used to be, they have to keep bringing this new talent who are going to put eyes on them. So I definitely want to stay with Impact. I absolutely love the locker room. Uh, the Knockouts roster is, I think, one of the best it's ever been. Uh, with Tessa, Taya, just everybody there is an incredible wrestler, even if they haven't been featured as much, like Kira Hogan, who's just an incredible athlete, uh, and she just really needs to be showcased more. And also the opportunities for the Knockouts. There's so many more, there's so much more opportunities than anywhere else, I think. They're, they have three storylines right now that they're running. The one with Scarlett, they had one with me and Taya, they had one with Tessa and Gail. So the women are not at each other's throats like they are at Ring of Honor or other places, you know. We're not vying for one spot. There's all kinds of opportunities for us. So it makes for a really relaxed backstage atmosphere. What about the British talent? Because obviously, you're retaining your title today, you're going to get more shots at more of the kind of British independent wrestlers. Who is there you like from the, the women's scene? The one scene uh, I really liked when I wrestled Tony. I haven't wrestled Millie one on one, but I definitely think that we're going to leading up to that, and I'm really looking forward to that one. What do you make of Millie? Obviously, you guys did the Sendai tour recently. Me and Miko? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I think I think eventually when that does happen, we're going to just tear it down. So I'm really <laughs> looking forward to that. <laughs> and what was the experience of touring with Millie and uh, Kelly? Uh, it was a lot of fun. I think we got to know each other a lot better, and we just laughed a lot and had a ton of fun over there. I'm really glad I wasn't by myself. <laughs> uh, Liam from Pricing Journal. Um, when you first stepped into the ring, uh, what was your ultimate goal, I guess, in, in wrestling? What did you want to do uh, from day one, effectively? When I first stepped in the ring, like eight years ago, I was 14, so I really didn't like anything in high school, and I didn't feel like I fit in with anything, so I feel like wrestling was kind of an outlet away from everything else. Um, so I really didn't think that I would definitely ever make it this far. Um, I had aspirations of going to college. I actually got accepted into a few, and I had some full-ride scholarships that I eventually turned down just because of wrestling. So I never thought that I'd end up here today, for sure. So what's, what's, I guess what's your ultimate goal now since you got here? Um, to be able to last as long as possible without being injured and to just <laughs> make as much money as possible and hopefully be able to retire one day and say that I live for something. <laughs> cool. Yeah. When you came out at Wembley last year, you came out to a huge pop, great reaction, and, and came up, kind of broke up the, the heel stable. Yet when you came up tonight, you were going for very much the opposite reaction. What was the kind of thinking behind that, and was that something you really enjoyed doing? Oh, I, def I definitely enjoyed tonight. Like, I very rarely get to play that type of a character, and when I do, I just, I kind of run with it, <laughs> obviously. Um, but at Wembley, I think that, you know, I was an American, uh, maybe I just debuted TV or something like that, or I just come off um, the double or not double or nothing. What was it? Double all in. in, yeah. All in. So I think everybody like knew me from that. I had like a bunch of steam from that, and so everybody. That's why everybody popped. Obviously, I haven't been here for five months after winning the title, so I think people 
are really disappointed, um, not just in me, but just in the story and the company in general. So I think it was really necessary to do what we did tonight. Do you have an idea when you'll next be back over? Um, I do have a date, but I didn't. I don't have it on my phone. I don't know. It's not for a few months. Um, Is it back here then in September? I think so. Yeah. Is that yeah. the next show? There's well, there's. It shows in Camden and the small shows in between, but the next big one yeah, is here it, September seventeenth, I think. Yeah, I'm imagining so. Um, I was going to ask you, uh, you team with Lefisto or have teamed with Lefisto? Obviously, she's retiring this year. I was kind of wondering what your thoughts were in terms of, I guess, her impact on you and kind of just generally how you feel about her. Um, she was just she was really fun to work with. Uh, I feel like I I learned a lot from her, and I don't think we wrestled for too long together. Probably wrestled as a tag team for a year or so. And I think I actually learned more from wrestling her than I actually did with the tag team. So I just, I thought that was a lot of fun and I really respect her. I didn't think I'd be standing here at the beginning of the weekend, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so, when you told us, <laughs> so when you told us you wanted to be all the NXT UK guys, yeah. En route to the final. That wasn't you giving us a little wink wink. No. This is going to happen. It was you saying you really wanted to do it. Yeah. So it's all more sweeter now. But I, again, in a couple years down the road, there'll be this will something will come out about this weekend where I can just be completely open and honest about everything that happened this weekend. Uh, but yeah, no, that was not. That wasn't. That wasn't like a telegraph or something that I knew. Uh, <laughs> put it that way. So <laughs> nuts. And that's the power of the people too. I was one of those people who tweeted about the entrance on Saturday and how amazing it was to have everyone standing for you. Um, I was going to ask you on Saturday, actually. Um, there are, there's people on the internet where you go who legitimately say you're the best in the world. Like, how aware are you of the clamour for you online and how people <laughs> feel about you online, I guess? Uh, I think a lot of people know that I, I do that research on, on Twitter. <laughs> uh, a lot of times that's just in between. That's just like, and then I'll, I'll stop doing it because I'm like, you know, i got to like, read a book or like get done listening to the news or reading papers and stuff like that and kind of put myself in a different world or something. I don't know. I mean, it, most of the time on there, I see a lot of people that hate me. So I don't know. You know, like, um, I don't know, man. I, it's just kind of wild because I think the number one thing I've always kind of strived for is respect from my peers yeah. and my colleagues and stuff. Um, and it, it's felt like that's turned up more and more over the past like year, year and a half. Um, so I don't know, it just mean it does mean a lot for anyone to put me in that category because I'll never forget when I was watching Gargano and Cole, and I remember saying to myself like having meetings at like CZW training, being like, oh yeah, those are the top two guys right now, and now it's like oh, it's just man. Yeah, so I was going to say I'd say legitimately in the last year or so, like I don't think there's many people who can compete with you too. That's all of that. So you, spoke, really yeah. <laughs> you spoke about wanting respect from your peers and that being something you sort of strive for. Do you think being outspoken and true to yourself, even if some people do disagree with what you say, is why people do respect you? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you know, on the same note, you never know what's said behind closed doors. So I don't know if it's like people being like, oh yeah, sick, cool. No, no. You don't, want to, you don't want to hear what we were saying before you came in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, so I, I don't. I don't know. I think there's. I have a lot more. I think discussions, serious business discussions, with my peers than I think other people have. 
That's obviously because I put my opinions out there about the business, about politics, about life, about whatever. And I'm cool with conversation. That's what it's all about, right? Because I learn from your point of view. I get to digest that, think about it, and then I can say what mine is, and then I can look it up. I can, whatever. That's just how we all learn and get smarter, and that's just how we all grow. Um, I hope they really respect me. <laughs> but I don't even remember what the question was. I just remember it being like, a, yeah, what was your question again? I don't know if I answered it. Do you think, talk around it. because you're outspoken and sort of true to your beliefs, that's why people respect you? I hate saying I don't know, but I really, I don't. I'd like to think that that's part of it. Is that what you hope for? Well, I also hope that it's because of my work okay. in ring as well. Like, not just my, when I'm doing a promo, but like, that's part of it. But I hope my in ring work is something that just comes off genuine. You recently moved to the UK like, to live, and I'm just coming over for trips. How, how's that? How are you finding living in London? Healthcare is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great. Um, got a great place, got two wonderful kittens. You can follow them on Instagram, Marble and Beans. Um, they're actually the most beautiful cats in the world. Uh, everything's great over here, man. It's always me talking to Americans, and they say, oh no, single pay is crazy. Like, no, no, you want the full fat socialism, a single provider. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, um, well, I mean, I can go a whole little socialist rant, but, you know, it, it, it is just, it is wild, because people don't get that. Like, I, I've been to, when I'm driving on the road in the States, I've had, it's come up in conversations with just everyday people, like people at, like, a gas station or something like that, and I'm talking, I go, hey, you know, like, don't have to pay for healthcare anywhere else. They're like, what? <laughs> like, it's weird. People in America don't go outside of America. So we don't really know a lot of stuff, and including we get fed that nonsense talking point that having healthcare is like so, socialism in America is a four-letter word as well. So like you know, um, these, oh yeah, socialists. Oh, you, you know the Nazis had free healthcare. Yeah, I don't think that's what we think about when we think about the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's weird to uh, talk about the experience we're doing today with Jordan. After I think for me the start of this run, people will look at what happened with. Jay Lethal and that stuff, actually, I thought the OTT promo and the build to that match, that felt like the beginning of this recent rise. So doing it again with Jordan here, how does that feel and what was it like? And it's real sweet to be Jordan. Can't say it's not. <laughs> feels good. It's a little bit of vindication, isn't it? Like, um, it just feels real good to be the one to be Jordan. I'm just happy that every single person, other than Artem Spencer, was that I beat. Was, you know somebody from there. <laughs> <laughs> that just feels what did Darby Allin call him earlier? Daddy something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me? Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's the truth, man. Darby's, Darby's another one. You know, like, he gets it. He understands certain things. He understands the power of having your own say. And that, and again, that's what I tried to say after this. It's not about, oh, when I say us versus them or when I say independent. It's not even about contracts. Like that's, obviously you can make the easy connection right there. But the point is that we have a lot more power than we even acknowledge. Um, just having the courage to say, to say no, or say, yeah, I'd love to do this, but here's things that I, that I want, my terms and my conditions. That's it. We have that power. We have the power to fight for our, listen, without fans coming to the door, there's no show. Without wrestlers to wrestle, there's no show. We have that power. It's up to us. We can change things. And I think even this whole week is kind of a testament to the fact that we can change things. 
And you can tell, and the reason why people are there is because they believe in that too. It is us versus them. It is the many versus the few. And we have it. And we just, we just did, sorry, we just did something together, man. Do you think as part of that as well, I think when people hear you calling out the independent thing, they almost think you're attacking the workers, the wrestlers. Yeah. And I thought that was really important, maybe that you said that at the end there, because people need to understand that you're not going after individuals. No, it's not that. Yeah, cause like I, I said this about, um, I did an interview with uh, Haratz in, uh, in Israel, which is like the oldest newspaper in Israel, it's also the most liberal newspaper in Israel. <laughs> um, you know, so, uh, so, and one of the things I said is like, you know, Jay Lethal, when I did the Ring of Honor thing, it's nothing personal against Jay Lethal, nothing personal against Matt Taven, it's nothing personal against any of the guys who wrestle Ring of Honor. I have a lot of friends that wrestle there. And I understand that some wrestlers are apolitical, some people, they don't care. And that's okay, because they're just thinking about themselves, their family, they're trying to make a living. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's the people at the tippy top, that management, you don't get that same excuse. But it's not, it's not about saying, oh, you're signed, you're a sellout. Like again, this weekend, something that, I don't want to say it bothered me, because it didn't bother me. I kind of laughed at it, but yeah. But it seemed like there was some people that kind of tried to like, almost like piggyback off of that. And I was kind of, yeah, but you don't get the message. Like you are taking it so surface level and saying, yeah, WWE sell out, oh, this. No, that's not what it's about. It, it, it is, it's about labor empowerment. It's about worker empowerment. It's about fighting for us fighting for our rights, the fact that we are human beings, the fact that we're the ones putting our lives on the line every single time we go out there. Any bump we take, we can die. That's a real thing, you know? And, and that gets thrown to the curb. They're like, oh yeah, you don't want to take 40 bucks? Who are you, ungrateful? Pay your dues. No. We have the right to our lives. We can we set our own value. That's our power. And if all of us kind of band together and we understand that, we can end all that nonsense that happens to young kids that get beat up and picked on and that get hazed and stuff in pro wrestling. That's ridiculous. We have that power to end that. Why would we want someone else to go through that same ridiculous thing that we had to? No, and I'm trying, that's my point, is that we have the power. It's not like us versus them, contracts versus indies. Like, there's something to be said there, but those people aren't bad people for signing contracts and thinking about their families and thinking about their loved ones and thinking about what's best for their live, lives. You know, like, that's not what it's supposed to be about. If you look at the Israel thing, I think The Economist took a drive-by reference to you. They, they, they had this weird, like, they had this article about the protests, about Eurovision going to Israel, and the last paragraph was, keep, basically, like, keep politics out of, uh, out of Eurovision, save that for the wrestling match. What? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, like, I, I need to go back and read the articles. Like, what's that? What's you, you know what's weird? It's totally off topic. Totally off topic. I was watching this, um, just sometimes you have to watch like the most grotesque people speak and do interviews. So Steve Bannon was doing an interview. Cancer he is. Uh, Steve Bannon was doing an interview with somebody and he kept quoting The Economist. He's like, yeah, I read The Economist all the time. I'm like, do you? Why? What's that about? So it'd be really funny if they're like, yeah, keep that for the wrestling match. Yeah, Steve, and he's like, oh, what wrestling match? He's like, <laughs> I just imagine Steve Bannon's like head exploding. <laughs> or like that, that video of him like in the, <laughs> he's in like the sea of like, of like black and brown people and he's like. <laughs> he's a cancer. So when you're backstage after winning this whole thing. Sorry, I just really enjoyed the comments. <laughs> <laughs> you should do at the top of your voice. I was just... 
Just one thing on Steve Bannon, he tried to make friends with all the European racists and like, oh yeah, yeah. We, we, we don't want the American telling us what to do, we're racists. Yeah, we've got all the racist stuff to go Steve Bannon. So when you're backstage, just won this whole thing, had a great match, and you're told you're coming to do an interview with press, is your reaction crap? I've got to go talk to these people, or do you genuinely enjoy speaking to people? putting your beliefs across and just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like, I, I mean, I like to speak my mind. <laughs> I feel like if I didn't, that'd be really weird, wouldn't it? Um, it's funny, because I'm not really like, like my mom would say, I'm not much of a people person. Because like, in, in my private time, I like to kind of just be on my own. I like to be like me and my girlfriend. I don't really like to do that much outside of like, it's like, gym. Now I'm catching up on Game of Thrones, no spoilers. Um, <laughs> and all of that, like, I just kind of like to, I, I watch my news, I listen to my news, I read newspapers, I check out wrestling Twitter and stuff like that, I hang out with my girlfriend and cook her dinner, she, whatever, we just kind of chill all the time. Um, but when I'm here, when I have the opportunity to express myself, it's kind of needed. I feel like I'm all bottled up and I have to go out and do it. Um, so this, I don't, I don't mind doing this stuff. This is part, I mean, day, this is kind of part of the job, you know, so that's, it's not something you, ah, nah, screw that. Oh, I like I like talking to people. You guys are nice people. Mm. <laughs> as far as I know, during your during your entrance with your nicknames, whenever the independent one would come up, you looked at Jim Smallman and sort of gave him a point. Was that something you had backstage? Where you're like, he's like, can I say that? Can I say? That? And you're like, make sure. No, I told him to. You told him to say that. Yeah, I said in the ring. I said, make sure you call me the independent. The fact that there was a really genuine moment between the two of you afterwards as well when he kind of came over and shook your hand and said congratulations what was the reaction like from them from backstage when he got back there kind of just the whole yeah right up everyone's yeah um well in the ring you know jim just put his hand out and said congratulations man you deserve it and i was like thanks and he had that mic like down here i'm like yeah don't worry <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so and then when i got backstage everyone who was you know, everyone who was still who was still here, because like you know, all the guys, there's a bunch of people that had to leave, people who had flights, and uh, it's been a long weekend. You know, uh, so everyone who was left came back, and it was a it was a nice reception. It was cool, man. Um, again, just being respected by my peers is really cool. It feels feels nice. It was um, interesting. You yeah. mentioned uh, Curtis Chapman because obviously that's the person you win cruiserweight title and then Rev Pro. Was that a deliberate reference, kind of? Well, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't. I wanted to make sure that. That it's, it, it does apply across from just like progress. Mm -hmm. It does apply. Like Curtis Chapman is obviously on the other team in a weird way. There's not. It's not like a super division, but there is a division, you know. And I think it's cool that I get to wrestle for Red Pro and I get to wrestle for Progress. And I think that's kind of kind of cool. Curtis is is good, you know. Um, if he's watching this. You're terrible, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like you know, like so. I want a lot of people. I want people to understand that it does cross those boundaries. And when I mean like supporting independent fresh wrestling, it's like the places that have these platforms utilize it. I heard. I, I was told uh, Jimmy kind of spoke about this a little bit. But like the thing, yeah, just give give these people platforms. Chuck Mambo is ready to break out. Spike Trevay, it like is a great promo and gets heat as a heel. He's ready. Um, these guys are ready to go. Like, we can, you know, just give them the, give the opportunity. 
give him the push. Put him out there with people. Connor Mills is a stud. Like he's ready to go. You know, like he's ready to start those matches and build himself up. These people are, are OJ Lowe is, I've had a sick match with him at Red Pro. He's good, man. Like he's, like, there's so many people out there that can keep this scene going. Because I know for a while, the British scene dipped big time. And they had to rebuild from within. That's why for so long, everything was really protective within Brit Rest. It was like, oh, British wrestlers, British wrestlers, we didn't want to use imports, we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to rely on imports necessarily. And that's, and that's cool. And that created this, this massive boom of Britrest Indie. How, what a crazy, to the point where WWE did say, wow, that's pretty mental. We're gonna go there and try and take that. So like, in serious, in all seriousness, like it, it, it is a testament to this scene here. It's nuts that this, this, talent, this amount of talent exists in this tiny little island. Um, and that still exists below people who are signed and below people like me winning it. There's so many guys that can go out there and just kill it that we need to be paying attention to. So Jimmy Havoc had his retirement match today against Paul Robinson. If your retirement match was tomorrow, who would you want to face? Well, that was a retirement match. Retirement well, no, no, not retirement yeah. from. from <laughs> retirement from. No, no, he's, he's leaving independent yeah. wrestling. Yeah. So he doesn't quite yeah. Retirement <laughs> from. Leaving progress for the meantime. Who would you, if you had to leave tomorrow, who would your match be with? Well, I mean, I, I have to pick one match. It's all. You know, he's not here today. <laughs> he left early. So, shows what kind of respect he has for her. Place, right? Well, if he's not here tomorrow, well, tomorrow, I mean, as in my wrestling tomorrow, no, as in uh, he's, he's, ring, that up. he's missed a lot of the shows recently. Sure. So, if he he's wasn't an important boy, if he wasn't available, anyone else? <laughs> Let me add this little caveat. Let me move forward. <laughs> um, hell, man. Um, who's like my favorite person to wrestle? I don't even know. Can I say that? Like, is like anybody dead or alive or what? Or does it has to be legit? Go on, yeah. Oh, dead or alive, then I mean, come on, like, Flair, Bruno, Superstar, and I mean, all those people. But no, and also, like, so Walter's obviously the person I want to wrestle. Walter's the person I want to beat. That's the person I'm going for all the time. I'll just put guys out there that, you know, maybe don't get as much press all the time. Guys like Duran Simmons. I love wrestling Duran Simmons, and he's a great big guy. You will match back at last October to make Stubby. Yeah, amazing. and I can only take half the credit for that because Jaren's looking good. Sorry, I cursed again. Yeah, Jaren's good, man. Like, and, and he need, he should be getting booked more. I can't believe he's coming to this country. He'd be perfect. As he's like great. A German heel. Yeah, he's, a, he's Dutch. But I know. Come on. The, the people he would be appealing to would have noticed it. Yeah, I, we're all the same. <laughs> no, no, but yeah, like guys like Jaren Simmons. I mentioned him last time. Jordan Oliver is so good. I wrestled him one time. He's like we got forty minutes, and he's so good. He can just wrestle. Guys like Jimmy Rave, who still goes. Mm. Jimmy Rave is a legend and still goes and has like a great mind for the business and teaches things. He helps out the young next generation. He's fantastic. Um, man, um, guys like Darius Lockhart. He's in in U.S. He has a real big, powerful thing. He's very much into the Black Power movement, and he has a voice that should be heard. And he's good. Um, hell, I'm not saying Fantasma on Friday, but he sucks. Uh, <laughs> uh, what have you made of Chris Brooks' shoulder voice stuff up in Fight Club? You've been to a few Fight Club shows. Yeah. I've been doing that. What have you made of that? Uh, what do I make of it? Yeah. Chris Brooks is amazing at branding. Isn't he? 
<laughs> he's got a gene. He's got. He's got some some evil genius going on out there, doesn't he? <laughs> and it's amazing. The thing that's amazing about Brooks is that he just manages to keep things going all the time and keep things interesting. Dude, every time you see him, his merch line is all the way down. I literally only see the people I can compare are like that I see consistently with those long lines is like Phoenix and Pentagon, who always have crazy lines all the time, like. No, Chris Brooks shot him for you. That it's a, it's, I mean, they got a good thing going. People are receptive to it, so it's kind of it's it's pretty cool. The emergence of like CCK and Rincon was kind of it, right? And then now Walter's out of it. Uh, yeah, so no, it's it's cool. It's, a, it's cool, man. It's a cool brand. And um, with the the idea that you wanted to face all to stay couldn't happen. Would you rather do it ASAP on the next Camden show or wait? and do it here when they come back for the big show later in the year? I don't know, man. I'm going to um, have to weigh my options, aren't I? Um, like, you've been, that's been going for so long between the two of you. It feels like this stage... You're telling me, man. This... Uh, yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> man, I don't know. I mean, like, the sooner it can happen, the better. But, like, on the same note, uh, I don't know. I have to really just think about when I'm going to take my chance. Because it's not one of those things, oh, it's not like a, I get to run in with a briefcase and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so I'll figure it out. Take some time. I'm really going to try, like, as much as I want to focus on everything else in the future and stuff, i got to really kind of take this in. I'm like, oh, my God. I saw James Muscle, like, down there, the guy who produced the, my video, and he wanted me to do designs, and he's going to be my partner in this, in this brand, and he, I can't express how much, how important he was, this whole thing. Um, and not just for you, but for Spike, but for, uh, you know, all the guys right now who are doing anything interesting on social media, it feels like something from James. James, James is like, we'll talk about Chris being the evil genius. James, yeah. Because one of the things you talk about, the, the independent stuff, but you've never had a promotion push you as their top star. So even on the Indies, you know, places like AAW in America or, or uh, WXW, you've kind of been the antagonist. So it must be a cool feeling to think like, this big story on the progress, you're going to be the person that's focusing on? Sure, and there's some places that I kind of uh, had the opportunity to do it and just seemed like they never wanted to pull the trigger or they always thought about it for somebody else, maybe because I wasn't one of their guys or something, even though I kind of got brought in as one of their guys and then the fans saw me as one of their guys. But, you know, they just decided every time to go in a different direction. And it's just wild to think that progress is the one to do it. <laughs> especially, after, especially after that promo. <laughs> it is just funny, but you know what? On the same note, like, you gotta give some credit, man, because I kind of get, at any day decisions are being made, right? And you gotta give credit where credit's due. You know, um, there's an opportunity to show that someone's tone deaf and they tuned in. Time for one more question. I'd just like to know how, well, from once we switch these cameras off and these lights off, how do you celebrate tonight? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna watch two episodes, maybe three episodes of Game of Thrones. I'm gonna hang out with my cats. I'm gonna hang out with my girl. I'm just relax. Sit down. Back to reality. You know, it's uh. That's it. I might have, I might have a pocket change. <laughs>
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.